right, if you have your Bibles with you, let's go ahead and turn to uh, the Gospel of John, John chapter 13. Today we're going to start the story of Jesus washing the disciples' feet. And I want to read verses 1 through 5 for you, but we're going to focus on verse 1 today. And I'll explain why we're, why we're doing that. But John chapter 13, verses 1 through 5. It says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taken a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel he had wrapped around him. That is the word of the Lord. Amen. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I looked at verses 1 through 5, and I started to prepare for that this Sunday. And I could not get past verse 1. Could not get past verse 1, and I could not get past the fact that Christ loved those who were his to the end. And that is, that is so powerful. And as I just was focusing on verse 1, I realized that I needed to spend some time on that verse and then bring in, bring in verses uh, 2 through 5 uh, to complete that section of, of Scripture. Didn't have enough time to do it all on one Sunday, so I'm doing verse 1 today, and then I'm doing the remainder of the other verses uh, next week. But there's something intriguing about, the, uh, about Jesus washing the disciples' feet. I think when we see that story we tend to uh, focus on the humility of the act or we tend to focus on the service of the act. And it's right for us to focus on those two things because there is perfect humility being displayed by Christ and then there's also perfect service being displayed by Christ. And he is setting the example for the believers to follow that we are to uh, be humble, we are to act in humility and we are to serve one another out of humility. And so both of those things are good for us to see and to follow. But I think what we should primarily see in this verse is not the humility. It's not the service. But primarily we should see the perfect love that is being displayed here in verses 1 through 5. For me, that's, that's it. That's where it lies. The the washing of the disciples' feet, it's about, it's about a God who loves sinners. That's what that passage is about. And it's, it's so powerful when, when you read verse 1 and you get to the end of verse 1. And you hear, you hear scripture say about Jesus having loved his own who were in the world he loved them to the end. Beautiful. Gave me a lot of encouragement this week, and I hope it blesses you today. 
As I think about that, I think about our relationship as creature to creature, that, that horizontal relationship that we, we talk about often. We have the vertical relationship between creature and creator, and then we have this horizontal. When you look at the law in the book of Exodus, that's what the law is broken into. It's, two, it's divided in two, uh, two parts, the vertical relationship, our worship of God, and then our worship of God in the way we interact with each other. So creature to creature, the love we share between one another is tainted. It is flawed. I wish that I could love perfectly. I really do. I wish I could. Even those who are closest to me, I wish I could love my wife perfectly. I wish I could love my children perfectly. Yeah, there's pride in me that that kind of pats myself on the back and I say, I love my family pretty well, but I can never say I love them perfectly. And if I'm honest with myself, I can do a whole lot better in loving them. See, that relationship we have, even as as your pastor, we we cannot love you perfectly. And I'm speaking of uh, Pastor Laramie and I. Even though we want to, we cannot. That cannot be attained by us. We cannot achieve that on this side of heaven. And I I yearn to be loved perfectly, and that's not going to happen creature to creature. I'm sure you yearn to be loved perfectly. But listen, in Christ, in Christ, we receive a perfect love. Even though we can't love perfectly, there is someone who loves us perfectly. And it's not about here and here, it's here and here. It's him who loves us perfectly. And that's what we should be thankful for, and that's what we celebrate every single day, that we have a God who guards us through his providence, who loves us perfectly, who works all things according to the counsel of his own will, And also, in the process of doing that, he is blessing us with the good, the bad, and ugliness of life. So it's a wonderful thing if you think about how God loves you. And that's what this story is about. That's what the washing of the disciples' feet is about. It's Jesus teaching us the way in which he loves his church. And it's extremely important encouraging. Jesus, uh, or us using this act, the washing of the disciples' feet, uh, I, I, through this act, I want to show you God's perfect love for a sinful people. And when you see his love with the backdrop of our sin, you're going you're gonna to leave here scratching your head wondering, why in the world does God love me? That's going to point you to the gospel. It's going to point you to the fact that God has bestowed you with mercy and grace. And he doesn't love you because you're a good person. He doesn't love you because he needs you or that he needs to love you. He loves you because you have faith in his son. And that separates you from anybody and everybody else. Listen, you are his church. And that is an amazing thing.
So, yes, I, I, I had this sermon broken down into several different categories, but all I want to focus on today and the only thing I want to explain for you today is, is, is how perfect God's love is. Now, I say I want to explain that. Now, again, I would love to preach perfectly and I would love to explain things to you perfectly. But when it comes to attributes of God, we fall short. So let me rephrase that. I will do my best to teach you and to show you God's perfect love through this passage. And the very first thing is, is, is seeing God's love, his perfect love explained through verse one. Let me re, read that to you. It says, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. I read that and I think about God's love and I think about Ephesians chapter three. I think about where the Apostle Paul, he talks about um, he talks about God's love and his prayer is that all the saints would comprehend what the breadth, the length, the height and the depth of God's love. That we would understand how much God loves us. I was thinking about that and I was and I thought, you know, how. How comical would it be? But also. How weird would it be if we could actually measure love? I mean, physically, like if we can get tape measure out and measure it. Like if someone tells you, I love you with all my heart. And then you can actually get a ruler out, tape measure out, and you can kind of go up there and measure. And you're like, no, you don't. Or I wish I knew. I wish you knew how much I loved you. Well, let's find out. Let's measure it out. But when I look at Ephesians chapter three, the way Paul describes it, he, he wants us to see that God's love for us is immeasurable. And I think we take it for granted most days. Yeah, there are some days when we realize how much God loves us, or at least we, we begin to realize it. But I don't think it's in our, on our minds every single day. If we could measure love, this is what we would find out we would find out that our love is lacking and God's love is immeasurable. That's what we would find out. And when we would see how God's love is immeasurable and we would see how much we lack, we would praise God that he even loves us. You see, in John 13, 1, we see God's love display in a way that is hard for us to comprehend because Again, it is a perfect love. Jesus loved his own and he loved them to the end. That phrase in itself is very important for us to think about. Because when we talk about or when the passage talks about Jesus loving his own, that's covenant language. That's not, that's not just people who choose to follow Christ. That's covenant language. That's, that's, that's the church of God. That is the church that God has elected, has selected, has saved, 
and who, who his, spirit, his spirit is working in. That is covenant language. And if you are in Christ, you belong to God. You are his own. And that's what I want you to see in this passage. How Christ loved his own and he loved them to the end. Now, the ending of verse one is very intriguing to me because it can mean a couple of things, at least a couple of things. And that's what I want to share with you today. The fact that Christ loved his own to the end. First of all, it means that Christ loved his own to the uttermost. To the uttermost. Now, I want you to think about that as his church. If you are in Christ, God loves you to the uttermost. See, Jesus loved the disciples to the uttermost, and he loves you the same way. And that's exactly what verse 1 is speaking to us about. Here's another example for you, or something else that I thought of when I was thinking about creature-to-creature love. Have you ever told anybody, I love you with all my heart? Sounds great. I've told my wife that before. I've told my kids that. My kids love to hear that from me. I love you with all my heart. And they tell me too, Daddy, I love you with all my heart. Sounds great, but is it true? Is it possible for us to love somebody with all of our heart? The answer is no. You know why? Because you have too much love for yourself. If we were honest with ourselves, we'd say I love myself with almost all my heart. And then everybody else, I love what's ever left. It's true. Hey, our lives prove that. Even in our marriage, you can tell your wife, you can tell your husband, I love you with all my heart. Then why are you so selfish in your marriage? Why are there arguments? Why is there dissension? Why is there division? Even with your kids. It it all follows the same way. So if we're honest with ourselves, we cannot say, I love you with all my heart. Why? Because the majority of our heart loves ourselves more than others. That's why we have an issue with sin. That's why we have an issue with loving and serving God. That's why the Bible says you must deny yourself. God knows that we love ourselves too much and that we idolize ourselves. So for us to say, I love you with all my heart, well, it's, it's impossible. On this side of heaven, we will never know what it's like to love someone completely. But listen, God loves us to the uttermost. Think about that in the light of your difficulty today, in the light of your situation. I don't know what you're dealing with, but think about that. Maybe you've been rejected. Think about that, that God loves you to the uttermost. Maybe you're dealing with a sickness right now that you don't see a light at the end of the tunnel. Maybe you, you are going through a depression. Maybe you're suffering from the consequences of your sin. Maybe your marriage is falling apart. I can go on and on and on. Think about the fact that God loves you to the uttermost right now. If you who are selfish, 
If you, who love yourselves more than anybody else, can care for your children like you do, think of how God cares for you, he who loves you to the uttermost. See, we lose focus of that. And we forget that if we are his church, we have this relationship with God. And it's not because of us, but it's because of him. And it's because of this love that he has for us. And this love is being displayed here in John chapter 13, verse 1. And man, it should move our hearts. It should change our perspective. He loves us because we were made in his image. He loves us because we were cleansed by his son. If you have the son, then you have the covenant love of God. And listen, no circumstance can take that away. Second of all, when we see verse one, the end of verse one, and it says that Christ loved them to the end. It not only means that he loved them to the uttermost, but it also means he actually loved them to the very end. It's a destination. It's a, a, a word of completion. He loved them to the very end. That means he loved them to the end of his earthly life. Now, if, if that is describing Christ and his love for his own, it is also describing God's love for his own, the church, and how he is going to love us since there is no end. He is going to love us through eternity. His love for us will never, ever cease. You see, if you think, all, if you think of all that Jesus endured in his earthly ministry, and yet he loved the disciples perfectly, all the way to the end, it's, it's quite amazing. I think about everything that Jesus dealt with and how there was no sin in him. And the, in, 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 in the light of his ministry and what he had to do day in and day out, as a pastor, I kneel at that and I kneel at his feet and, and, I, and I praised him for being my Lord because we know the pressure of what of the pressure that comes with the ministry and trying to help people. And for Jesus to be able to do that and never sin, never think ill of anybody, never lose his temper at anybody unrighteously. It's 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 quite amazing. Think about the hours he spent teaching the disciples and and how he had to correct him over and over and over and over. I tell you what, as a pastor, having to teach the same thing over and over and over and over and people not get it, sometimes it is frustrating. But then I have to look at myself and I have to think I'm the same way. But it is, it's, it can get frustrating and yet Jesus spent all these hours with them they show ignorance, and yet he continues to teach them. So the patience that he endured with their sin, the demand that they took from his time, and listen, not only that, but the whole time they followed him, they, were, they had selfish ambition to actually use him. The whole time they followed him while he walked here on earth, they thought this was going to be their earthly king. 
and that they were going to be rulers with him here on earth, that there would be a new Jerusalem rise up and that they would rule over the Romans in the world and that the Jewish kingdom would be established. So in a sense, they were using Christ until they came to know who he really was. So think about all that, and yet, verse 1 says he loved them to the end. I think about marriage and how difficult it is and how much of a, it, how much of a blessing it is. And I think a lot of people prematurely look at their marriage as a success. Especially honeymooners. You get married and after year one, they're like, oh, this is not that bad. Yeah, for all those who've been married a long time, right? Year one, this is easy. Year five, still not that bad. Year seven, oh, it's challenging, but it's, it's not that bad. Year 10, year 20, year 25, I don't care, year 50. You cannot measure the success of your marriage until death do you part. Now, you know why I say that? Because in a marriage covenant, you love each other to the end. You can't say, oh, my marriage is a success at five years. That's not the end yet. To death do you part. When you take your last breath here on earth, However many years God gives you. If you are in Christ. You will be able to say. Despite your sin. Despite your failures. Despite your flaws. You will be able to say on your deathbed. God has loved me to the end. That's the love that he has for us. If God has brought you to himself, listen very carefully. He will complete what he has started in you. His love cannot help it. He loves you in his son. So, here's the conclusion of the matter. Looking at verse 1, seeing those two things... That God loves you to the uttermost and he also, uh, he loves you to the end. Um, we come to the conclusion that God loves his own like he, like no one else. He loves his own like no one else. See, God's covenant love is reserved for his covenant people. That means the way in which he loves you in Christ, it is exclusive. He does not love the world or he does not love you and the world the same way. God is love. Completely understand that. But we don't get to define love. God is love. And he has the right to love his own exclusively. That's his prerogative. We don't have the right to question it. Scripture says so. 
He loves his own exclusively. Now, what do we do with that? Well, I'll tell you what we do with that. We go forth and we be blessed. That's it. You walk out of here knowing that God loves you exclusively. Now, again, I don't want to point this to you. The reason why he loves you exclusively is because of his son and the work that his son has done. You were saved by grace through faith. You are a lowly sinner. I am too. He loves us because of his son. But the fact that you have his son, that means you have the father's love exclusively. So if we walk out of here knowing that we have his son, knowing that God loves us exclusively, no matter what we face, I tell you, go forth and be blessed. Because nothing can erase that. Nothing nothing can take that away. Now let's think about that for a second in the light of what's happening today in the United States. You know, all these riots and everything, like I mentioned before at the beginning of the service, but all this started with one man, really one man being treated unjustly. And we go back to George uh, Floyd. And we think about Mr. Floyd and, and how he was treated and how he lost his life. I saw some encouraging things. The fact that he was a believer. There were people who were coming out saying that he was a believer. There was an article written in his, his involvement in ministry. Had a picture of him holding the Bible. So there's, there's evidence out there. I, I, don't know the, I didn't know the man personally, but there is evidence out there that he was a believer. My heart rejoices at that fact. That he was a believer and that even though he died a horrible death, that he serves a God who loved him. And in his last breath, his last breath God loved him to the end. But I think, about, I think about that. You see this horrible act towards a man. And yet, we must understand that God loved him perfectly. And even an act like that does not take away the love of God. I want to read Romans chapter 8, and I'm going to end it with this. Romans chapter 8, verses 31 through 39. This goes along with you going forth and being blessed. This is what Paul says about God's everlasting love. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can stand against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will we not also, or how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, our distress, our persecution, our famine, our nakedness, our danger, our sword? As it is written, 
For your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are being regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Now listen here. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor debt, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's why I tell you, what's our response? Go forth and be blessed. I think we need to hear about God's love and we need to rest assured that we have somebody who loves us perfectly because this relationship here, like I said before, it is flawed. We sin against one another. We hurt each other. And it's very easy for us to fall into this self-made trap that nobody loves us. Well, if you are in Christ, do not believe that lie. You have someone who loves you perfectly. And nothing or no one can take that away. Let's pray.